right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. And I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, guys. Hi, Clayton. Hi. How, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. <laughs> we we're just... still recording from different locations. I'm in Queens. Clayton's in Brooklyn. Yes. So this book that we read for this week, this was the first time that we let our audience pick a book. So it was between... Um, a rock star romance and a medieval romance. So were you secretly like pulling for one of the books or? Well, I saw that. You were going to let the chips fall. I saw that producer Patty voted. And I feel like that was <laughs> a conflict of interest. What? Don't you, did you vote? No, I didn't vote. Did you vote? No, because we can't vote because we can't. I mean, the whole thing is to have the audience pick. But did you? But you did it like secretly when you were reading about each book. Be like, oh, I hope it's this one over that one. You were a hundred percent neutral. Yeah, because I wanted the audience to get what they wanted. <laughs> you're so, uh, uh, you're so nice. I guess I wanted to pick this book. I'm happy that we read this book. Okay, because you, but you had already read this book. I had. And I think I had just read like three historicals on my own. And I was like, well, I hope it's not another historical because then it's easy to get them all jumbled together. Yeah. In my mind. So I was like, oh, if it's a rock star, then it's one I've already read. And it's one that I knew that I liked. So this one won pretty handily. It, It went out to a very large lead. And then Forbidden sort of caught up a little bit, but not 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 enough. No. Forbidden had a surge there, so maybe some people were doing some electioneering or something, but ultimately, it was fall. Yeah, there was some vote voting uh, tampering going on. There might have been some, <laughs> you know, some people hanging out intimidating. Uh, we don't like that kind of stuff, so no tomfoolery <laughs> at the polls. We want to make sure that this is a clean election. One of the only <laughs> clean elections. Uh, yeah. It's very hard to keep an election uh, clean. So this week we read Fall by Kristen Callahan, which is number three in the VIP series. Um, was published in 2018. Uh, so let's judge this cover. Okay. Uh. So here's where <laughs> my issues with this book start. No. This guy <laughs> looks like a douche. Mm. And when I think of a rock star... And just in very basic terms, because I'm not even a big fan of their music per se. Obviously, they're classic. Rolling Stones is who I'm talking about. But I, my mind goes to a different look with rock stars. Someone like Keith, I mean, well, Keith Richards, but also Mick Jagger. I mean, he's a beautiful man, but he doesn't look like a Abercrombie model. Or someone like this guy in this cover. This guy looks like an ad, not Adam Levine, because Adam Levine is like scrawny. He's not as handsome as this guy. But this guy looks like a guy who would play a, a rock star in a movie or a soap opera. And so that kind of takes me out of it because that's not what I think when I think rock star. That's not the aesthetic that I'm going for. You have a very specific Mick Jagger centered aesthetic for. But, 
not even that. Like, not even that. When you look at someone like Kurt Cobain, who, if you strip away the greasy hair and the bad skin and all that stuff, really good looking guy, but he doesn't look like this (laughs) meathead. He doesn't look like this, this guy who should be in a Letterman jacket. Oh, I don't agree. I mean, I think this cover is fine. That's not how I pictured um, John to look necessarily. Uh, But I think it's like a fine cover. And I also think these guys are supposed to be like incredibly sexy and like one of the biggest groups in the world. So it's not like a surprise to me that he would be very sexy. And he's also talked about as being like very one of the more handsome guys in the band. Well, let's jump into then uh, what was this about? So this book is about John Blackwood, known as Jax, who is the lead singer. Yeah, they have two singers. So it's him and Killian. And the name of the band is called Kill John because it's John and Killian. And he had he attempted suicide like two years ago and has had a, a rough go of it. He's suffered from depression and he's grocery shopping and he meets Stella Gray, who is our heroine, and they meet over a carton of mint mint ice cream. I guess it's mint chocolate chip, but they keep calling it just mint. I'm assuming it's mint chocolate. Right? Yeah, I've never seen just mint with no chocolate chip. Me neither. That, that smacks more of a gelato than of an ice cream. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, and I'm picturing he, he, this as like a Briars. Yeah, yeah. I'm of course I'm picturing Briars. Like these guys are fighting over Briars, and <laughs> they're fighting over it. But it's a cute fight. It's not. They're not. It's not fisticuffs or any kind of abuse or anything. But in the midst of it, she kisses him and steals the ice cream, and she's thinking about him and he's thinking about her, and she gets a job pet sitting for a rich dude in an apartment building. This is all in New York City. And she moves in, and it turns out that her next-door neighbor is Jax. And so they start a flirtation, and then he pulls away, and then she pulls away, and there's a lot of miscommunications that happen, and obviously at the end, happily ever after. So that's the book. Yeah. So this wasn't a book for you then, it seems like. You know, and it's, I think it's hard too, because just living the way everybody's living right now, I I, I wasn't engaged. I, I wasn't really engaged in this book. And it was very hard for me to continue enjoying something I'm not engaged in, in this environment. Okay. Just because... At some point, I feel like life is so short, <laughs> and to to read something that I wasn't really into, it was a struggle for me. It was a struggle mm-hmm. for me. And I'm not, as people who listen to this podcast know, the hugest fan of contemporaries to begin with, and I think you had to be either engaged with these characters or not. I think... To be honest, this book brought up more interesting thoughts because of certain things like his depression and her job as an escort than the book actually 
did anything with. I think I was thinking more about the topics of this book than the actual actions of the characters in this book. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I understand that that would sort of take you out of things too and that it would be hard to be engaged with them as people if you're just thinking of them as like professions or, you know, other factors, facets of their personalities. But, I mean, I totally get why people really like this book. I can understand it. It wasn't for me, but why? So you really like this. Yeah, so I loved this book the first time I read it. The first time I read it, um, was because on Faded Mates, they talked about Managed, which is uh, Scotty's book, the book before this one. Um, and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And I'm like you that I don't normally go for contemporary if I'm just reading for pleasure. Um, but I read this one. I read the entire series in one go in like two and a half days. And I was just like really loved it. Um, and I loved this book particular and I got like very emotional during two parts um that I got very emotional again this time when I read it as well I don't know I think that Kristen is just like a very talented writer and she really brought me into the characters from the jump um and neither of them are people that I necessarily relate to I don't think like personality wise I'm like either of them but I think that there's something really beautiful about watching two people, you know, sort of take the risk to open up and love each other when that's never been modeled for them. Um, Because in this book, Stella's mother passes away when she's very young and then her father abandons her when she's a teenager and she manages to, um, have superficial connections with a lot of people by sort of being able to hone in on what they need or what they want from her and what she's able to provide. Um, And what ends up being like not necessarily reciprocal relationships. And then for Jax, it sounds like he grew up in a pretty cold family that didn't really agree with his passion. So he left that family to then, um, you know, join the band and follow his dream. But it meant that he didn't have the modeling for a loving relationship either. Um, and so, you know, a lot of their setbacks, all of their setbacks were pretty internal, but they all rang really true for me for, you know, why they were happening. It didn't feel like sort of just romance novel. Well, we can't get them together yet. So they have to have an issue. Um, it all felt really homegrown. So I just really enjoyed the story and I really enjoyed, you know, getting to know these two characters. I guess I could have done without the dad showing up. Yeah, that was sort of uh, something that went nowhere. Like I did enjoy them getting to know each other and that romance, but there was a few too many things like that, like the dad showing up. I didn't need that. That was soap opera-ish and I get it, but I didn't need it. I find, like you were talking about, her job is to create superficial relationships. And that made her feel alienated. I found that to be very interesting as a concept. And I understand that escorts exist. And I understand Jax got confused because when he thought escort or companionship 
that's paid for, of course he thought it was sex. Mm -hmm. And I get his reaction. And of course, there's no shame to sex workers or anything like that. But there was a confusion there. And that made a little bit of sense to me. But I was more interested in if you have a relationship with somebody in that way where people need affection, people need companionship, and if you're giving them that, but there's no true feelings behind it, does that matter? Like how much does authentic feeling actually matter when it comes to how people react to physical or even emotional connections to people? Well, I, I mean, in the situation with Stella, she calls herself a professional friend. I think, you know, it seems like the people who use her services kind of need her for a short term, it seemed like, for the most part, um, of sort of filling in. And I guess we never get their point of view of sort of how they feel with it. But I think sometimes... Um, there are other situations where you just need somebody to be with you and then maybe it doesn't really matter if there's somebody who's actually close to you. Obviously, it really affected Stella because she ultimately gave it up because it was never fulfilling on her side either. But I mean, I it's not exactly the same, but I think I th- I, it really resonated with me too because it's like you know I was a bartender for a very long time and that's a very similar relationship where I knew a lot about a lot of people a lot of people came to me to tell me you know issues they were having or um, you know they were coming to celebrate or commiserate or anything and there isn't reciprocity there um, or there wasn't, at least for me. And so some days I would just get really frustrated because it felt like you're you're giving, 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 and you don't get anything back. And so I understood when Stella felt that way. Um, well, well, that's I think that's because so those customers were using her for, like you said, a short time for a small amount of affection, where she was giving all of herself to several different people and getting nothing from anyone. Like, I don't think that's healthy. I don't think always giving, 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 and then never having anything shown back to you is healthy. But if it's a stopgap or like there, you know, one of the guys that she was with was new in town. So he just didn't know anybody. He was, he was shy any sort of affection or closeness he felt to her, even if it was feigned, I think was still authentic in a way. It was authentic to him because the feelings were the same or close enough that they could fill that spot when he needed it. Yeah. Well, and I think Stella also like genuinely cared about these people. She seems like someone who genuinely cares about a lot of people. So I don't think that the emotions she was giving them were necessarily even false emotions. I think it was definitely a coping mechanism for her, too, because if you always have sort of that wall of like you're getting paid or their clients between you and most of the people you meet, that sort of means that you never have to authentically get close to anybody because, you know, 
you have that set up and you also have a false sense of being close to a lot of people and you have a false sense of being friends with a lot of people, even though you aren't. Well, it was really funny because I was having this conversation with my friend Greg and we, I think it was, it was me, Greg and Pat wrote a script together. This was probably like seven or eight years ago. And that's when I really started hanging out with that group of people. And I remember we were writing the script and there was a moment where two characters were talking to each other. And I said to Greg, I was like, well, obviously they're lying to each other. And he said, well, what do you mean? They're no, no, they're not. And I was like, everybody's lying to everybody. (laughs) And he started laughing really hard. And I thought I was like, well, okay. So I'm looking at this interaction completely differently than he is. And so we were talking about, that's always like a, a running joke between me and Greg. And we were talking recently, you know, sometimes you have that feeling where you're just like, none of my friends like me. I don't know if you ever have this, but I'll just have a feeling where I'll be like, oh, these people can't stand me. And mm-hmm. it'll come and go. But I was talking to Greg about it and he was like, well, you know, if say this was all a big ruse and we started to be friends with you for 10 years, which is what it's been, I think maybe even more than that. And we don't like you, but we continuously invite you to places and hang out with you and act as if we are your friends. Is there any difference between that and a true friendship at this point? And in my mind, I thought like, no, because you've effectively fooled me to the point where I now think that I genuinely have these friends. So to me, I'm getting all the benefits. Now, that would make them probably, that's a lot for them to have to deal with. So that's on them, the emotional burden of fooling somebody that much. But for me, I authentically would feel like I still had friends, even though it could all be a sham. Yeah, I I guess so. That's a heavy thing to be thinking about, though, too. Well, I have a lot of time. But that, but that's the thing about this book that I, I started thinking about because I was like, wow, that's a really interesting profession for a character to have because most of the time I don't care what a, a, a person does in these books. Mm-hmm. But it did, right. it did feed organically. It did feed organically into her relationships, which I thought was interesting. Right. Well, and I think this is also a good thing about having – characters with jobs and if you make the job part of the story it needs to be something like this like her being a professional friend and Jack's being a rock star are so pivotal to who they are as people and are such manifestations of their uh, psyches and what they're trying to accomplish and what they're trying to run from and all of these things that it makes sense for us to know more about these jobs and it makes sense for us to spend time on those jobs. And I think we might've talked about this when we talked about uh, play, which was another rock star romance, but there is that saying that you become, you remain the age you were when you got famous. Yes. And it seems like Jack's and them got famous when they were in their like early twenties, mid, I mean, he's 30 now. So, and they've definitely been famous for a while. Um, So it also made sense that he was a little juvenile and like, didn't know how to be in a relationship. 
like didn't know basic things about being in a relationship. He had a very specific view of sex and what sex was and what sex meant and how it fit in his life uh, in a way that wasn't healthy. Um, So it was just interesting to watch him sort of grow that way as well. Well, let's talk a little bit about the reason why he is off just random sex. He got chlamydia Mm -hmm. in his throat, which (laughs) gave me a whole new fear. Thank you so much. (laughs) Fall. I I assumed that could happen, and I'd thought about that before, but not as much as I thought about it after reading this book, and I didn't like it. That he got chlamydia. I mean, I no. thought it was interesting to have what? No, I like, I mean. Just the idea of throat chlamydia? Yes. I, I like, <laughs> I like that it, I liked it in the book because I thought that was very interesting because number one, what it shows is he is a giving lover because he is, <laughs> he is performing conolingus on a stranger, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily safe, but still, you know, he likes to go down, which is great. Now, that's interesting. The other thing, too, is that it makes the kiss more interesting because he's freaked out that he that she kissed him in the grocery store. And now he feels like I've got to find this girl and tell her I I gave her chlamydia through a kiss, which you cannot do. But he still was freaked out about it. And and I would be that same way. I'd be like, okay, yeah, sure. These doctors say that I can't happen. But in my luck. It, I would be able to transmit this through a kiss. So I really, I, I understood Jax's fears in that moment. So that was really interesting. And also like, you know, his throat is his instrument. So that's also another layer of it too, where it's, you don't want anything to get in the way of your kind of talents. So I did actually like that as a plot point. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen another uh, hero with an STD. You know, despite how many heroes we read who are like basically man whores. Um, and so I found it interesting, too, as a reason for him to also like stop and take stock and um, have to slow down. Uh, and also she gets very sick with strep throat and he's paranoid that somehow that's chlamydia, <laughs> that he somehow gave it to her. Um, and so he takes care of her during that time, which was also, I thought, very sweet and protective and um yeah and great yeah i thought it was great because also a lot of people have stds it's pretty normal um are we supposed to refer to them as stis now okay stis right is that i think that's what it is i don't know yeah i guess because they're infections not diseases it's just been so long because i remember when i got triple gonorrhea they you got triple gonorrhea? St- no, I'm joking. I don't know if there's anything called triple gonorrhea. You got it. You got uh, dick, throat, and... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ears, dick, and throat. <laughs> it was quite a weekend. EDT, man. <laughs> you don't want it. <sighs> so, but yeah, that, that was interesting, too, because obviously STIs have been looked at as... they've been stigmatized and the honest truth is you don't want to spread them you want to be safe but if you do get them somehow 
just do what you need to to get rid of them or manage them and be honest with your partner about them, right? Because everybody has things that we just don't have. We just don't have sexual education in this country. So to blame somebody for getting gonorrhea when they are, I mean, maybe him because he's in his thirties or whatever because it's chlamydia. But who knows? I mean, I don't want to shame him, but. To shame a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old for not using a condom, it's like, who are you kidding with that? Like, who, who, who are they modeling behavior from? So that's the, that's the issue. Is that's, that, that's why it shouldn't be stigmatized because then people don't want to say it. They don't want to say, oh, by the way, I have this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And just, you know, I don't have EDT anymore. I got it taken <laughs> care of, so don't worry about it. Listen, it's just antibiotics and you're fine. Yeah, I mean, th- three rounds in three different places. So <laughs> I, had to, um, I had to gargle, I had uh, eardrops, <laughs> and then there was a, some sort of, I don't want to get into the mechanisms down there, but, it, it, you know, listen, I'm going to be more careful next time, if there is a next time, yeah. who knows? oh yeah if we'll ever be allowed out you'll see oh, what you can do not even that it's just i wasn't listen i wasn't lighting up tinder <laughs> when covid wasn't going on there's still got to be people swiping which is insane to me i know but you're bored people are doing everything i don't know man i ain't that bored no i'm out here dusting bookshelves i mean what else am i going to do are you really dusting bookshelves no, but I have thought about it a few times. See, even thinking about it, that's too much. <laughs> that's when you know you have too much time on your hands. But yeah. yeah, so I mean, I guess I was just kind of really harsh on this book at the beginning. I don't know what was up my ass because I guess I didn't hate it. I don't know. The more I think about this book, the more it sort of opens to me. And that's why I also really love it. And I think it's so well done. But um, and, you know, being famous is hard which I think nobody really wants to think about but there is a complete lack of privacy a lot of times the only people around you are people that you're paying or who are also famous um, which is just like a messed up power dynamic Um, so you know Jax has found out that Stella is a professional friend and he goes over to her place um, after like finding her out in the cold and they have a nice little moment, he makes her tea. He's sort of doing a lot of little, you know, gestures of service and stuff. And he offers to hire her to be his companion full time and give her enough money that she doesn't need to see anybody else. Uh, and this breaks Stella's heart because she thought that she was having a full genuine relationship and she was really putting herself out on the line and, um, you know, to have somebody else just want to commodify her really breaks her heart. And I just felt that scene so strongly. And I thought it was such an interesting scene. And I thought it really set up sort of what it is that is keeping the two of them apart as well. Okay, so let's talk about him as a musician. And let's talk about him when they go to the guitar shop. (laughs) And he plays a U2 song. Well, first, when they were talking about David's guitar, who, which David were you thinking? Oh, probably David Bowie. That's what I thought, too, but it's David Evans. The, the well, Edge that's, from that, well, that's the Edge's real name, yeah. Yeah. 
so yeah, I didn't. But I mean, they explain that obviously. But as soon as I, mm-hmm. as soon as you say Dave Evans, I know who that is. Because we are both big U two fans. I was big U two fan. I will say. Oh, I, all right. As we're walking it back. Oh, no, I was. I mean, I as a lapsed Catholic and lapsed U two fan. There's a lot of things that I now look back on with regret. Oh my god! Let me tell that you, that can't be one of them. Let me tell you, I love Act Tongue Baby. I pretty much love all of their albums up till all that you can't leave behind. You don't love all that you can't leave behind. No, nope. and you know, at the time, I was into it because I liked that they were popular again because they really kind of hit a bottoming out point with pop which is an album that i actually really really love me too and then they just got more and more desperate to be relevant and to continue to create hit music when they that's no longer where they should have been Mm -hmm. because you get to a point where how many reinventions can you have and then you turn into madonna and i love madonna but Madonna is a few too many reinventions far gone. Yeah. Like, I think I, I think Hung Up is the last song of hers that I was like, okay, this is a good song. Mm-hmm. And so when he, you know, starts talking about you 2 I was thinking, what song, like, what song would you want him to have sang to you as a U2 fan? I mean, I did, the one that he picked was good. Um, well, all I want is you, which is what he he picked. He picked is all, is, which I think is a good one. Um, I mean, MLK, I think would be good. I'm just thinking that one because it's short. Um, <laughs> and the I don't know why I have this Make like real short. anxiety. Well, I have an anxiety about somebody just like with a guitar singing just to me. Like the idea of that really stresses me out. Yeah, because then you have to like uh, keep paying attention to them. Right. And then the whole time I'm just like, how, what's my face doing? What's my face doing? Yeah, I don't know. I think All I Want Is You is a great one. You did not. Obviously, you felt differently. And now, it was just such a basic one. And it was so overwrought. That was my thing is that that song to me is I actually tried to start a band in high school with mm-hmm. some of my friends. And that was the song that we tried to play. So I was the bass player and the bass part is so basic that yeah. I could do it. And then we sang that song over and over and over so many times that I think it lost any sort of power that it had. And I was like, this is so smaltzy. It's just not their best work by any means. It actually is almost not a U2 song, I feel like. Because Rattle and Hum was an interesting, that's what it's from. And that was an interesting album, which it's very uneven. And they really try to do roots music. And I, I'm more of like, I'm more of the early stuff, like Boy and Unforgettable Fire, and of course Joshua Tree, and then Act Tongue Baby and that stuff. But Rattle and Hum, it's it's too, it, it's too try hard. You'd say like Bullet the Blue Sky, like that's a very guitar heavy one. Yeah, but that would be such a weird. 
It would be so bizarre. That'd be such a weird thing to start singing in a guitar shop. But anyway, I mean, that's the thing. It's I, like, yeah, he's also a singer and a guitarist. I don't think he's also not put up, I think, as the most talented guitarist in the group. I think you wouldn't know this, but in other books, I think they talk about it being Killian more like technical. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. But then, I mean, there was that level of like, again, he loved Kurt Cobain. And, you know, he goes into the park and they're singing a Nirvana song with some kids. And I just felt like, and it sounds so awful, but you know what? Who cares? I am always honest on this podcast. Kurt Cobain would be rolling in his grave to see this pretty boy singing his song. And I know that's (laughs) wrong. And I know that's not how you should think. And we're past that. Cred doesn't mean anything anymore. Selling out isn't a thing whatever you can look however you want but to me to see this this pretty boy singing a nirvana song something in my gen x makeup rejected it and i think too it's like that's kind of the problem or that's the thing about music or people who are very into music like you end up feeling so proprietary about it and i think music can be such a solitary experience sort of the songs that you listen to mean something very specific in the time that it's in and what's going on in your life and what's going on in the world and it feels like just yours so I get where you're coming from that like I'm sure like Nirvana and you 2 mean something very specific to you but I think for him it probably means something different specifically to him yeah, and I guess it's it is a no win situation because what I'm expecting this author to go super obscure with these references, and even if even if he played a Big Star song, like if he played Thirteen by Big Star, I'd I'd still think that was basic. Yeah, so she can't win. So she, that's the thing is like she can't win. She if he would have played Elliot Smith, I would have been like, oh yeah, well. You know, it's probably it's probably from the Goodwill hunting soundtrack. <laughs> you know, like that's the kind of shit. And like I deal with that. So yeah. I'm sure there's people listening to this and rolling their eyes and be like, get over it, dude. But I got to admit, that's what bumped me about this book in a way that was hard for me to recover from. Well, yeah. And then I think if she were to put in these hyper specific references, she shuts off a lot of people who are interested. I mean, what I liked about it was also that he was into music that I was into and sort of everything that was referenced was also stuff that I knew. But I don't know, man, there was just something about this. And maybe it's because I'm reading it in the, in my, my little tiny box of an apartment and I'm chippy. I'm feeling like, you know, uh, pretty wound up. I was like, Oh fuck this dude. (laughs) I don't know why. I guess it was just the, the mindset I was in. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, he gets to go outside. He gets to go on a motorcycle. Well, this... Who does he think he is? I mean, I'd never go on a motorcycle because I'm too scared. But <laughs> the, 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 he got to go grocery shopping. I mean, this guy's living the life. He's just rubbing yeah. it. Like, this This book opens with being in a grocery store, and it's not six feet apart, and people, like, like you're kissing people in the grocery store. Yeah. It's insensitive. She should have known this was coming in three years. Well, absolutely. Because listen, you got to know that society changes and, you know, it's an assault. And <laughs> that's frankly, that's what this book is. It was assault. On, it was an assault on me. 
So on people who aren't allowed to leave the house, it was very rude uh, to constantly have your characters leaving the house. Yes, it was ridiculous. There will be litigation, and you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you've got to be able to look into the future and just see what society is moving towards. Because otherwise, what are we doing? So therefore, that's why I think this book should be banned. <laughs> All right. Uh, no. Well, we also have to talk about Stella's uh, passion was also flying, which I fucking loved so much. Yeah, that was cool. That was so cool. She was a pilot of a small plane and she did aerobatics, which just sounds... Mm, like the coolest thing ever would you have gone into that plane no and the reason being is that i've been in small planes before and i've gotten extremely sick yeah your poor tum tum i can't do it i went on a my dad when i lived in hawaii my dad came to visit well my parents came to visit and my dad wanted to take a plane ride over the different islands i lived on oahu and he wanted to take a plane ride that would fly over the other islands so he could see the volcano on the big island and all that stuff. And my friend Jamie, who was my who was my friend from high school, we lived together. This was post-college. And he came along with us, and we were in this small plane. I'd never been in a small plane before. And I got so sick, I started sweating. I had to close my eyes and hold on to like one of the handrails right by the window. I couldn't look outside. I had to just look down and I was just sweating the whole time because I felt so sick. And so I didn't get to see any of the other islands. <laughs> oh no. So That's sad. So that's why I couldn't get in a plane like that. And I, my my body just betrays me because I'm not scared to go on a plane like a plane that small. I'm not scared of small boats. I'm not scared of these. I'm not scared of roller coasters. I just can't do it because of the movement. Mm. Motorcycles are different. Motorcycles are death traps. That's just your... They're still sexy, though. They're sexy, but you're exposing yourself. They're the dumbest thing you could ride. I mean, I think it is cool. If I saw a dude or a lady on a motorcycle, I'd be like, you're cool. But I also would be like, that's too dangerous for me yeah have you ever ridden a hog i have no i've been on motorcycles i grew up uh and we had uh my grandfather had lakes on a had, sorry had cottages on a lake in uh new hampshire on newfound lake it's near a town called laconia that every summer had like bike week where all these bikers would come and it was always super fun oh i'm sure yeah. So, yeah, we're definitely around a lot of motorcycles. And I feel like I had a lot of friends whose dads had motorcycles. My father was not allowed to get one. There was many a discussion. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. He would love to have one, though. Your dad? Oh, he... Mm-hmm. Your dad would love to have a motorcycle now. Oh, 100%. He would. He would get, like, a Triumph or something. He'd be out peeling rubber every <laughs> every weekend. This guy'd be a road warrior. Yeah. Um, My uncle was a Hell's Angel. No and way. He killed someone in Altamont. Yeah, that was my uncle. Um, no? Oh, I don't know. People have uncles, though. <laughs> That's, that was the one thing that you were like, well, maybe this is a true story because people do have uncles. 
I, when people tell me those sort of stories, I'm like, listen, someone's related to that guy who killed somebody. Why not Clayton? You're putting the facts together in your head. Okay, well, people do have uncles. That checks out. <laughs> the uncle part, I'm, I'm rock solid on. The rest, I'm meh, who knows. Um, yeah, growing up, my grandfather also had a Piper Cub, which is a very small plane. Uh, and he used to take us up all the time, and I loved it. Yeah, see, I would have loved. I would love it if my body would say yes, but my body says no, so much. Yeah, you know, I think I know people who have had similar lives to Stella, or who have had to really be on their own from a young age, and there's just like a calculation that is constantly going on in their minds, and I think that's what was happening for Stella too. So. Uh, yeah, I loved, I thought that was so cool. And the scene when they go up together in the plane, I thought was amazing. Also, what did you think of the sex? I thought it was good. I thought it was good. No, I thought it was amazing. Something that's wild about this book is normally at 50% in most romance novels, uh, you're having sex or something really, cl- someone's getting an orgasm, someone's getting off. Yeah. And in this book, they are, they kiss for the first time and it, doesn't feel like a slow burn in the way that sometimes you read slow burns and you're just like oh kiss already I'm so bored like I feel like you felt the electricity and energy of them coming together so strong throughout the book that when they did kiss it felt like it was like a big orgasm even though it was just a kiss and then finally when they actually do have sex it's such a gratifying scene and it is so amazing and it's so charged because they have been waiting so long for it and there's a great mutual masturbation scene, which we just don't see enough of. No, I do love that. I gotta say. Uh, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I did like the sex in this book, and I did like the slow burn nature of it. Although I do, like I said, I do think that sometimes a book could be 270 pages instead of 330 pages. My nitpicky thing with this book, if I have to say like a negative, is that the heroine's name was Stella and the heroine in the last book was named Sophie. And those are pretty much the same name. You hate that. And it's hard. You hate the same letter, first name for characters when 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 they're characters that you need to tell apart. Yes. I it really and I it's probably just me and I can't imagine this is an issue that like more people than me have but I found it really frustrating because I was like Sophie Stella Sophie was before Stella is now like I never got a good hold on the heroine's name for that reason so whatever but how many not a big deal but how many times when you're reading do you actually honestly read the whole name in the sense that if you're reading you see S and you think Stella but then if it's Sophie then you're like oh wait okay so now I have to pay extra attention to these names and you should never have to do that in a book right and I'm just like if you're just picking heroines names they can be any name in the world so just pick a different one with a different first letter yeah it's my only note otherwise perfection I this to me is like a pretty much a perfect book I understand what you're saying about the dad thing. I agree it could go. But also, I did like the full circle-ness of, you know, at the beginning, she's calling a PI, and it seems like she's had various PIs trying to track him down. So I think it's really gratifying that then when he shows up, she gets to, she sees him for who he really is, and it kind of crushes whatever fantasy she might have been having about him. Mm -hmm. She gets some closure. Yeah, she gets closure, and she's the one to kick him out, and she's the one to, to... 
to get rid of him instead of him walking out on her. And I think just for her character and her own growth, that was probably a very big deal and important thing for her to have happen. So you know. here's here's the big question, though. <laughs> Would you fuck them? Yeah, both. 100%. Without a doubt. Stella, yes. But I got to say, I wouldn't, Jax. Yeah. I, Listen. I, when he was singing that song at Guitar Center, wherever he was, it wasn't Guitar Center. He's at a regular guitar shop. But I, that's just so embarrassing. It would have been so embarrassing. I couldn't get up. I couldn't get it up. What song would you sing to like woo a girl? What U2 song? If I could sing, like if I could actually yeah. sing. To woo a girl. Well, God, there's so many, there's so many of their songs. Uh, this is going to be hard because I'm, I'm trying to think of like the, I haven't thought of the U2 catalog in a very, very long time. So, God, because now it just, they all, no offense, because I know you love them, they all kind of seem a little bit embarrassing. Far away, so close. That's a good one. Stay far away, so close. That isn't bad, because that's a Zeropa track. That's a Zeropa track, and that's not as embarrassing. Well, is that guitar heavy? No, not particularly. No. I mean, I would say I would sing like I would sing like. I love Acrobat, I love uh, Ultraviolet. That would would be probably what I would sing. Acrobat would be a good one, probably too. Yeah, but they don't play. They didn't play that in concert a lot. No, I don't. So I they did. I, I, yeah, I I saw the Elevation tour and they played. So huh. I saw the Elevation tour too. In Boston. No, in Philly. Well, there you go. And you know who opened? Completely different experience. Who? You know who opened? PJ Harvey. PJ Harvey. Oh, we saw the same opener. <laughs> yeah. That album that she was touring for was a is a great album. Yes, agreed. What is it? Stories from the city, stories from the sea, or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's a fucking great album. And and the the. When she was playing, people were showing her no respect. And I remember being like, fuck these U2 fans, because this, I love that album. And I was so psyched that she was opening. And they just did not, they were just not listening to her at all. Listen, that's because Philly people are rude, I guess. Because in Boston, people were listening and they brought little paper fish. And so when she sang the one song, they were like going back and forth with the fish. Well, it was I'll, like a PJ Harvey concert, and then there was a U2 concert. I will say, there were people with fish also. There were some hardcore PJ Harvey fans that I think followed her around, because they were probably mm-hmm. the same people. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Because Philly ain't that far from Boston. <laughs> no, it's not. In you more ways, do it in a day. In more ways than one. You're <laughs> acting like Boston people are so respectful. Come on. Oh, my God. No, I would kidding? never. I would never. Who are we kidding? I'm from New Hampshire. I can't stand people from Boston. They're the worst, mass holes. Wow. Okay. Unless you are a listener in Boston, in which case you're lovely. It's yeah. them. You got to stick to Vermont. You can beat up on Vermont. Oh, yeah. Who cares? Fuck they, Vermont. They, they were spitting on PJ Harvey in Vermont. That's what I heard. <laughs> no, you two didn't even go to Vermont because where would you go? What would you play? She had to, an old bar and raisin. She had to take, uh, she had to use the bathroom and she was like, what's the shittiest state that I can uh, take a shit in? <laughs> 
Vermont. Vermont. So she was just like, take me to Vermont and I'm just going to wreck this bathroom. <laughs> True story. True story. <laughs> All right. Should we do Goodreads list? Let's do it. I'm sure this is on a ton. No, it's not on that many. It's on a lot of like highly anticipated lists, which I don't add because, you know, whatever. They're kind of irrelevant. They're already paid it at this point. Right. Exactly. Um, so not a ton of lists, but some good ones. So my rock star boyfriend. That is true. Gorgeous and grumpy. Yeah, I mean, he is, I guess he's grumpy. Yeah. He's more depressed. I loved the banter between the two of them. We haven't talked about that yet, but like sort of, they were able to have like a pitter patter rat tat tat between the two of them that I really enjoyed. And I know what you normally say about people trying to be funny and how that normally falls flat. But I felt like with this, they were being funny just to each other. And I really appreciated that. So, But you know what I don't like that I realized with this book? Pet names. Oh, I love... Okay. Like... We disagree yet again. Button. God. Kill me. I can't stand it. Stella Button. Have you ever had a nickname for a girlfriend? No, but I used to put in my phone... Oh, God. Uh, no, I can't go into that. But, like, when I wasn't talking to people, uh, I would put really horrible things, and not just women, but, like, just people in general, really horrible names for them in my phone. And so people would be like, who was that? And I'd be like, oh, I can't even remember. And it'd be, like, the most horrible name for somebody. And they, I'd be like, I can't believe I ever felt this much anger and yet cannot remember who this person is. <laughs> I think that's just a little insight into you, Clayton. <laughs> All right. So the next category is slow romance. Yes, it was slow. Yeah. Slow burn. Yeah. Uh, friend group romance series. That's that's true, right? Because they're a band. Yeah. I'm excited. The next one is Ryan Brenna, and it is going to be real good. Um, is it not come out yet? No. She's still working on so it. So it's anticipated. Yeah, highly anticipated in this household. Wow. Best Rocker Romance 2. So this is the second list. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure, yeah. So if there's two lists, I'm sure it gets on the second list, obviously. I don't know that there's a rock star romance that you would be for. No. I. You know what the thing is? Is I read too many rock memoirs. I read too mm-hmm. many rock history books that there's no way that a rock romance book could be as authentic because right. that's you didn't like that's not what it's about like it's not that, that's right. the, romance a romance novel is not supposed to be a rock memoir it's not supposed to be a, a, about the music as much as I want it to be about the music right. You want it to be something other than what it is. And I think that's why, you know, I've been I've been reading a ton because we've had some time to read. And I've been reading a, a, a lot of rock memoirs and books like that. And I think that's why this stood out so much to me as not authentic. It's because I've just been reading authentic stuff for the past, you know, three to four weeks. Right. And I wonder if you read this just for the romance, for the story, for itself. You know, because if you're comparing this to Keith Richards' biography, like, 
it's not they're not the same they're not trying to even do the same thing oh absolutely not you know? absolutely not um yeah and you didn't like daisy jones and the six which is insane as well I, but I, no i, I like daisy jones and the six i just didn't love it as much as you did no who could though i really loved you it. really loved it yeah i love this too all right famous characters he's famous oh yeah he is famous uh next list neighbors Yes. The ultimate bad boy slash rock star list. I, he's really not a bad boy. I think he was a bad boy. It doesn't go into it in this book, but like, in, like they were doing a lot of drinking and partying and, you know, lots of sex and stuff. They were living like a pretty rock star life. He did, you know. I mean, they do say that he fucked a lot. Yeah. But I guess that's true. Like in... If I would have read the first two books, he would seem a lot badder than he does. Yeah. He's a sad boy. He's a sad boy. And then on repeat. I've already read this book twice and I might read it again. So I would say it belongs on that list. Yeah. All right, Clayton. That's all for the Goodreads list. So what are your tropes? Well, rock star romance. Slow burn neighbors shopping kisses <laughs> um did i say uh, oh well she's not an escort she's a friend yeah so so professional friend heroine her i guess hero and heroine with intimacy issues mhm and Bad band names. I think it's a fine band. I don't think there is a good band name. They're all weird. Kill John is a little bit disrespectful to John Lennon. Oh, please. I, I think Kill John's a fine name. It's just, I think anything in these books, like whenever you read a band name or song titles or you know if it's a movie star romance like movie star names or movie titles they all seem very silly but then it's just because we don't already know them as movies like uh, i can't think of a good band name aaron what are your tropes uh so forced proximity because they are living next to each other so they keep running into each other pilot heroine rock star hero mental illness he has struggled with depression in suicidal ideation and um he attempted suicide uh slow burn a plain heroine she refers to herself as played a lot and that he refers to her as plain when he first meets her but she definitely sounds like a true knockout so i'm not sure how that tracks um found family sex rules because once they decide to actually date he doesn't want them to have sex he wants to court her woo her um, which is cute, and I do love sex rules around that, so that was great. Um, abandonment issues, they both have them. Great banter, bad dads, uh, professional friend, and redheaded heroine. Yes, she's she's supposed to have luscious red hair. Yeah, like a Botticelli um, muse, yeah. And hero with an STI. We forgot that. Yeah, there you go. That's true. Um. All right, Clayton, so what has you swooning during this quarantine? Well, geez, I got to say that I have gotten really into the 
MTV Challenge show, if you <laughs> are aware of these at all. It used to be Real World Road Rules Challenge back in the day when I watched it. And apparently it's been going on for 35 seasons now. And Jesus Christ. they are taking people from other reality shows. So Big Brother, Love Island, all these other shows are getting fed into this system where these non-athletes, although they are they train like athletes, have to compete and stay in a house together and do these crazy athletic competitions. And I watched the, the, the new season, the 35th season just started and I watched the first episode on a lark and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is nuts. And I remember really liking them back in the day. So I went on to Amazon and I guess you could, you could buy like previous seasons. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to buy the previous season and see what I think of it. And I was so just, I watched 17 episodes of this show in two days. <laughs> People get insanely hooked on that show. I, You're not the first one I've heard. It's a sickness. And I think it probably didn't help with my aggression because all these people do is yell at each other. And the men are so ripped and it's hilarious because some of these guys and gals i remember from their actual seasons of real world and they were not roided out monsters they were regular <laughs> looking people and now they all are so swole it's crazy so wow. i guess i'm swooning over that and i'm a little bit worried about myself because i was thinking today i was like should i buy the season before that and even though i know i know who won mm -hmm. but i'm still like you know i could watch another 17 episodes of this <laughs> so maybe take a break you did answer the phone when i called you the first time pretty aggressively so maybe we just pace it out well we'll see no i don't know if i was being aggressive that's gonna give people <laughs> the wrong idea um yeah i, I did bark <laughs> it was definitely a growl and a bark but that, that is what I'm swooning about. MTV's Challenge, the 35th season, started last Wednesday. So, oh, I guess, you know, after you listen to this episode, you can watch the second episode of the 35th season, along with me. <laughs> yes. Message Clayton on Instagram if you want to talk about the challenge. Let's, maybe I'll go on the troop and see if mm -hmm. anybody is a challenge fan. Yeah, and we can talk about possibly. Wes and Johnny Bananas. Johnny Bananas is still on. Yes, that and he's a roid. He's he's not as roided out as as some of the other guys, but he is so weirdly swole. Oh God! And I was like, wow. I was like, oh, this guy's so old. What is he doing on the show? And then I was like, oh, he's like four years younger than me. <laughs> what a rude awakening! It really is. It really is. Uh, <laughs> so, Aaron. What has you swooning? So I'm just going to run through like the media that I'm consuming during this time. Just, you know, to see if anything sparks anything for anyone else. But so two Insta accounts that I found that I really love. So one is called Isolation Hunks. And it's just pictures of like handsome men to look at 
during isolation, which I think is fun and cute and funny. Great. Uh, and it's curated. Followed. And then an, an Instagram account called Mothers Before. And it's a really sweet account. And um, basically, mostly women submit pictures of their mothers before that they were mothers. Um, and then tells a little story of who their mother was at that time. And there's something really beautiful about these pictures and the stories that their daughters tell. Um, and I've been following that account for years now. Um, and the creators of the account just released a book. So you can get that too, or just follow them on Instagram. Great. Um, and then on uh, Netflix, I've been watching I'm Sorry, which is a like a sitcom. It's sort of like a female-ish curb, maybe, that's not such an apt description but it basically just follows this woman who's a comedy writer around LA and her family and everything and it's really fun and it's a really easy thing to watch there are two seasons on Netflix so if you're looking for a new show that's a good one um or Extraordinary Homes which is these this like lovely two British people just uh show you different homes all around the world that are wild and really architecturally interesting so that's good too um, and then the two books I read were Earl Takes a Fancy by Lorraine Heath. So her newest book, it was fantastic. And When Beauty Tamed the Beast by Eloisa James, which was good. So there you go. Okay. That's what I've wow. been up to. So Aaron, where can they contact us? Please, you know, don't forget, rate, review, subscribe. It's how people find us. We appreciate when you do. Um, if you have any thoughts on the challenge, if you want to email us about your thoughts on this book or anything else, you can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. And then we're on Twitter at Learning Tropes and on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. So we also have our Facebook group, which is the Learning the Tropes Troop. Uh, that is where we are choosing our book for next week. And so we have until midnight tonight, Wednesday, the day that this episode will come out, to decide between The Ruin of a Rake by Kat Sebastian or Kidnapped by the Pirate by Kira Andrews. Join the troop, vote for that, and um, and then you can also see what we will be voting on for um, the week after that as well. And absolutely, and I say go on the troop and let's start a thread where y- see what U2 song you would want somebody to serenade you with at a guitar shop. Love it. Yeah. Very important. Very important. That's information we need. And then, can I do a quick plug? Sure. So I'd like to plug a little podcast produced by producer Patty that isn't this podcast. And it's also hosted by Aaron Leaf. Is that possible? (laughs) It is a podcast called Books Connect Us, and it's through Penguin Random House. And this is Pat's baby, I would say, because Pat got this going really fast. And if you know anything about corporate America, it's hard to get anything moving as fast as Pat got this thing going. And it's a really great podcast. It's called Books Connect Us, and it's short interviews with authors talking about what's going on in the world so how books are connecting us in this in this crazy time what are some good ways to not go nuts what are some of the things that they're reading and other things there's some really good authors the first one actually is already out so you can subscribe and download and it's one of your favorite authors isn't it Aaron? 
It was a thrill for me. It's Taylor Jenkins Reid. Full disclosure, I'm editing it, so I get to hear these interviews ahead of time. And I'm telling you, they're really great. And there's some really great authors coming up, too. So definitely check it out. And rate, review, and subscribe it. Because the whole fam is on it. The whole fam's working on this thing. Pat's a job creator. He's a job creator. He is. Yeah. Uh, And Taylor talks about loving romance novels, and then there are going to be hopefully some romance novelists coming up as well who will be on the podcast. So subscribe for that as well. So finally, Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.media backslash podcast. All right, everybody. Bye. Bye. Stay safe.